0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. It's 2023, if you don't know, by the way. Uh, Welcome to 2023. Happy New Year to all of you. Man, great to see all of you this morning. Really, really cool to see all of you. Uh, it really is good to be back. One of my goals—I I set goals for myself for 2023. I hope you did too. Um, at least, you know, if you set goals, usually you're thinking that maybe you will do something in, in this year, which is which is a good thing. Um, I said one of my goals I set for myself was to tell people about Jesus, uh, was to share the gospel. Uh, my goal for myself this year is uh, I want to try to share Christ at least with two people every week throughout this year, and. Uh, see i'll i'll keep you updated let's see if i actually do that but that's my goal for myself but if i were sharing christ with you uh, this is how i would do it if i've never met you before if i've met you before i would at least start with a connection with you i would say if i'm this this month in february i'll probably still continue to say happy new year hello my name is brian something to that effect but some kind of way of getting connected with that individual and then I would move from that connection point, because I don't want to get stuck you know, on the connection. I want to enjoy the connection as much as I can. But then I'm going to move that connection to try to get to a conversation about God. Let's move this from whatever we're talking about to a conversation about God. Uh, that's not too complicated. Uh, people are always thinking about God uh, sort of at the, the surface of their emotions. They're there. It's there. It's a very easy conversation to get to. But then uh, we can get lost in that conversation as well because that sometimes moves to talks about church and, and religion and all different types of things and we we wax eloquently about uh, you know our theologies and so on and so forth. So I try to move the conversation because I want them to understand that there is salvation in Christ. I'll move it from their God conversation to a conversation about lostness. Basically, we have a problem. We are lost without God. And I'll move it, so I'll move it from uh, how you doing? Get connected. Then I'll move that to a God conversation, which then will bridge me into a conversation about our, that we're lost without Jesus Christ. I'll I'll, I'll try to identify the problem uh, because uh, I'm carrying with me in my heart and in my head. I'm carrying with me information that could help solve the problem. Uh, their greatest problem, which is lostness. Uh, this year, by the way, I hope you're with me on this, but I still believe the greatest problem in the world is not political. The greatest problem is a disconnect with our Father who made us. That's the greatest problem in the world today. is a is a broken relationship with our Creator. The greatest solution to that problem is Jesus Christ. So I would move from lostness in a conversation with people to uh, the gospel presentation, to a presentation that you know God had a design for us to be in fellowship with Him. I might talk about the um, creation story of just Adam and Eve and how, you know, God walked with him in the cool of the day. Uh, he put a garden in the Garden of Eden that uh, Adam tended. Uh, Adam was in charge of naming animals and birds. And then uh, uh, the great passage, one of my most favorite passages in scripture, Genesis 2.18, which says that it is not good for man to be alone. Amen, if you are married today. Uh, <laughs> this this need of ours to be together with another human being uh, was there. God gave us that need, and this was before the fall. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I would help the person I'm speaking to understand that God had a design for us uh, to to be part of his His operations, his work, his fellowship, but also fellowship with each other, this great design, and that we've fallen very short of that design. And But praise God uh, that God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be a sacrifice for us, so that in him we could find a relationship again with God. We could be restored in our relationship with him. It's really good news, people, really good news. But I would move in that direction. I would uh, give him this passage. I wouldn't kill him with passages, but I would uh, give him this one, John 3.16. There it is. I think most of us know this. We've seen this in uh, at soccer games, football games. We've seen this all over the world, right? This is a common and known passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I would speak about this amazing gift that God is wanting to give the person I'm speaking to. And I would encourage them uh, to decide to follow this man, Jesus Christ. I would lead them in a prayer based off of Romans 10.9. It says because if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's pretty much how I would I would walk with someone, and uh, depending on who I'm talking to, I might go you know I might go deeper in certain areas, or uh, I might even make it shorter. Sometimes when I'm trying to share Christ with somebody, uh, I only have about two or three minutes, and uh, you know you can share the gospel or at least what God has done in your life in a short amount of time, no matter who you're talking to. It could be the the cashier at a grocery store, it could be the guy pumping pumping fuel in your car, but many, many opportunities to share the gospel. This morning, uh, maybe you're here because you've already made this decision. Maybe you're a child of God, like me. Uh, I'm a child of God. Uh, God has changed me, I'm his. And maybe you're here this morning because that's true for you. Maybe that's not true for you. If it's not true for you, I wanna to talk to you some more. But here's the deal. One of the things I've realized is we're making our goals for the new year, Uh, regarding our faith Uh, if you've made a decision to become a child of God so that's what you've done if you're a child of God it's a decision that you've made you've placed faith in Jesus Christ and you are now his child and that's it right that's where it stops we don't do anymore we have our fire insurance right we get out of hell free card and uh, we are (laughs) we are now okay But there's not a single one of us in this room who believes that, right? That everything is just sorted. Uh, None of us have experienced that life. I know that all of us who've chosen to place faith in Jesus Christ, uh, that there were steps afterwards, right? I know that's a fact, or else you wouldn't be smiling today. The fact of the matter is, is that the walk of faith is a walk of faith, and it involves our active response. I believe that once we give our life to Christ, and that's of we become a child of God, that is done. And that's done for eternity, we become a child of God. I then believe we enter into a phase of life where we have a choice to make. And I believe uh, these are uh, possible three options of how we operate, let me put these on here for you. Option number one is that after we become a child of God, we do nothing. We, we sort of embrace what I would call an inactive faith. All right, we say we have faith in God, but we are doing absolutely nothing about it. I also believe there's this possibility that you might do something, but it may be more of a reactive kind of a faith. So you might have a reactive uh, approach to faith, that you kind of re- respond to stimuli. So whatever comes your way, then you, then you have an answer for it, or you try to figure an answer out on the spot. Uh, this morning, uh, I want to encourage us to think about this option, the third option, which is, a a, a planning kind of a faith, a proactive faith, investing faith, to think about investing in the future. Uh, Let's look at the first one, uh, a do-nothing faith. And if we wanna go back to just the do-nothing faith, that would be great. Um, And let's see if maybe this is where you are. This is an interesting uh, decision to make after we decide to become a child of God, after we place faith in Jesus Christ, then we make the decision to do absolutely nothing. This is a, an interesting one, but I think most of us in the room have made that choice at different levels or at a, 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 a different parts of our journey as we've been trying to follow Christ, but uh, we just stop. We just okay, I'm a child now. I'm just going to wait to receive. The, the interesting thing about um, Scripture is that Scripture will not allow us to do that. If you, uh, if, if this were true, if it were true that once we come to faith, we do nothing, we just receive, then honestly, the, what we have in writing the Bible should really stop after John 3.16, right? There should be no more help past John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Hallelujah. And then no more writing, no more instructions. But of course, we know that's not the case. There's so much more written, and so much more instruction after John 3:16. Uh, we see this uh, uh, throughout. Uh, I'm gonna give you some of those passages in just a moment. But why is it that we choose to do nothing? I think for many of us, it's because maybe uh, before we came to faith, we were maybe victimized, maybe we were the recipients of, of hurt, uh, maybe things were done to us that were, were hurtful, painful, and uh, I know many of us uh, have been hurt by others. I think all of us, to some degree, have been hurt by others. Uh, some of us have been hurt by by government, uh, by the political structures that we live in. Uh, others of us actually have been really hurt and wounded uh, by the church, and uh, and so so we we really just stop there. We are wounded, and that's where we park. We live in the misery of what's been done to us. We blame others, we blame the government, blame the church. But at the core of this do-nothing behavior is this is this I'm powerless belief that you are unable to do anything, that this is all you can do is nothing. I wanna just um, share with you that you, uh, unknowingly, if we are doing nothing, we've adopted basically a belief in what's called determinism. Have you heard this before, this philosophical premise of determinism? This is the belief that in any situation that a person finds themselves in that uh, they, they have no control over the outcome. Uh, determinism entails that in a situation in which a person makes a certain decision or a certain action, it is impossible that he or she could have made any other decision or performed any other action. In other words, uh, it's never true that people could have decided or acted otherwise than they actually did. Uh, I'm reading a book now that's a fascinating book called Freely Determined. Uh, and uh, the introduction of the book, uh, this the author named Ken talks about his relationship with his father. And uh, he would ask his father if he had free will. And uh, his father would ask him, can you change what happened yesterday? He would say, no. Then you can't change what happens today. So he, his father was a determinist, this belief that, that we absolutely have no control over what happens in any given moment, but rather the, our decisions and all of our actions are as a result from the, the culture that we've been exposed to or possibly our DNA or possibly some other scientific explanation other than the fact that we have free will this belief that everything is predetermined. It, it's also called fatalism. It's the belief that all events are predetermined and therefore inevitable, that uh, I had no other choice. So uh, where, this, where, this, uh, where this comes out in our behavior is that if we do something, whether good or bad, uh, we believe that this is the plan ahead of time. In any case, I had no control over it. So if I'm good or bad, this is my behavior, no control over it, and, and there I am. Doris Day, uh, an old Hollywood star from uh, my parents' generation, was famous for this song. You may have heard it, Que sera, sera Any people in the room know this song? Yeah, thank you, thank you. There's some people from <laughs> my generation, yeah. I, I was uh, talking about this with one of our members who will go nameless uh, this morning before church, and they had never heard it before. Que Sera Sera, whatever will be, will be. Let me read some of these lyrics to you. Uh, really sad lyrics. Uh, Doris is singing, When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. You want to sing with me this morning? Que sera sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. And I'll stop there. You'll sound beautiful, though. <laughs> He goes on to say, she goes on to say, uh, when I grew up and fell in love, I asked my sweetheart, what lies ahead? Uh, will we have rainbows day after day? Here's what my sweetheart said. Que sera, sera. whatever will be, will be, the future's not ours to see. In other words, we have absolutely no control of our future. This is a horrible song, I just wanna say. Yeah, yeah. Really, really nice, beautiful tune, and Doris Day, a beautiful woman, uh, it was a very popular hit uh, for my parents, um, but the question here is, and this you see the philosophy of this this song in this perspective, is that we have absolutely no control, absolutely no control. We don't have free will. We have no control over what's coming. Now, the fact of the matter is, is this is not scripturally true, that the, the Bible does not teach this, uh, that we have absolutely no control. Uh as a matter of fact, uh, if, if anything, the Bible teaches that with, without works, faith is dead. In other words, we're called into action, into decisions. Inactive faith is not really truly where we're supposed to be, and, and I and I think all of us could agree. I hope that if you're living in an inactive faith, you're not okay. Uh, that uh, you're not fulfilled in your life if you're inactive. It's a, it's a boring faith, right? It's a, it's a boring faith. Then there's this idea of uh, this reactive kind of, of faith. There's another popular lie that there is there is some work that I have to do once I give my life to Christ, but, but only as it pertains to avoiding sin. That the only goal here is I react to the temptation in my life, and so uh, really the Christian life is just a series of me trying to avoid sin. And I think uh, a lot of us would fit in that category uh, Category, but it's it's more of a reactive type of approach to life when temptation comes in that moment I make a decision of what I'm going to do with it. Uh, it's reactive It's like the person who came to my house one time and asked me if he could borrow a tarp uh, To cover his roof. I was happy to let him use one of my tarps uh, and I said sure what's wrong with your roof? And he said well, uh, it's been leaking and I said I am so sorry. No worries. It's, it leaks every rainy season <laughs> and stops when the rain stops. This is an amazing thing. <laughs> so I, I asked him, I said, have you ever considered fixing it? Uh, you know, I said, yes, but the roof is slippery when it rains and so I don't feel comfortable getting up there when it's raining. I said, do you ever think about fixing it in the dry season? Uh, to which he responded, not really, it doesn't leak then. <laughs> Let me give you another one that maybe some of you can relate to. Uh, I have a flat, therefore, on my car, so I put on the spare. Um, After I use that spare, uh, I don't replace the spare. And then I have another flat, and then guess what happens? I'm stuck on the side of the road because I didn't plan for the spare. You guys don't have to confess this morning, but how many of you drive cars without spare tires this morning? Maybe you are reactive in how you approach life. One of our greatest complaints against the faith is usually based off this belief that faith, that faith's only byproduct is the end of fun. The only thing left now is to avoid sin at all costs. I've heard this before. Since I came to Christ, I don't party anymore. To which I always ask them, what do you do instead? And very often, this is what I hear, nothing, followed by, my life is lonely and boring. Yeah, That's a reactive faith. It's a great thing to stop partying, especially if it's ruining your life. But replace it, replace it with the life that we have in Jesus Christ. One of the most bilar- bizarre beliefs, I think, in this reactive kind of a faith world is this, that my future... This is the belief, that my future is completely in God's hands and his control. I have no control over my destiny, but I have total control of my present. Isn't that an interesting perspective? It's this belief that somehow I can control whatever comes to me day by day. I can respond to that, but I have no control of my future. It's an interesting, I think, conflicting belief pattern. I can't invest in Christ is the premise of this belief. I can't invest in him. I can only fix today. Or possibly this third option, a proactive faith, an investing faith. And I think that's what God is inviting us to. Now, if I shared Christ with somebody that gave their life to Christ, uh, I would encourage them to to confess that, to share that with family and friends that, that they become a child of God. And then I would invite them to openly uh, get baptized to, to show that Jesus Christ died and rose again. We would invite them to baptism. But following baptism, I would say, hey, why don't you come be part or even during that time, I would say, come be part of our fellowship and come be part of the work and activity of the body of Christ, which is the church. Come be part of us. Start getting into God's word. Start learning more about what your faith entails. In other words, move forward, get active, invest in in the father whose son you now are, or whose daughter you now are, invest in the one who has made you his child. Invest in him, invest in him, invest in faith. Because that's when life begins to surface. That's when you begin to see what this life is all about is when you invest, invest in a great future. This uh, this idea is based off the idea that what I do now impacts my future self. So um, I don't know about you, and I'm not going to look at you now, uh, but I look at myself in the mirror. Over the holidays, I have gained some weight. I'm not looking at any of you. I know none of you can relate to that. No, y'all are the same size you were in November last time I saw you. Praise the Lord. Um, but I would imagine <laughs> that for those of you I'm not looking at this morning, that you probably are setting goals for yourself to kind of get that, that party weight off from you know the holidays, right? Am I right there, or is it just me? Is it just me? Yeah, it's just me. Yeah, some, some. say yeah, it's just me. Yeah, yeah. I've got to tell you, when I was in the states, there's this place called Shipley's Donuts. These donuts are like God Himself made them and handed them to you and said, "Enjoy." Enjoy. I enjoyed. <laughs> I had a lot of Shipley's Donuts when I was in the States. And if you've never had a Shipley's Donut, you need to have one, people. They're amazing. But you wanna get them fresh out of the grease, all right? Right when they come out. Just give you a little tips here for your future obese self, all right? <laughs> when I was eating that donut uh, in the States, I was not thinking of my future self. I was thinking of that moment, only then, then. I was some reactive faith. Oh, you bought Chipley's donuts? What are you going to do? What am I going to do about it? I'm going to help you eat them. That's reactive faith, right? Oh, they were good. Oh, so very good. So good, it inspired me to buy more donuts on another day, to which I consumed. Beautiful, amazing thing. Let me stop there. I think donuts are getting too great a praise this morning. What's happened then now is that I'm back. Uh, I've set goals now to get the weight off my body because I don't feel so good with the extra weight. And I'm not enjoying the weight loss program. It's not fun. But I am convinced that my future self will say thank you to to this guy here who's suffering now trying to lose weight. I'm positive my future self will be so grateful. If we can realize that as we invest in Jesus, we invest in him. We're told in Galatians to sow into the spirit, to invest in him. There is life, there's amazing life that when when you experience that life in the future, your future self is gonna say thank you self for your investment that I know was difficult in the past. It, it could be that uh, the sacrifice would be you getting on your knees before God and agonizing in his presence to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, the Bible says. Agonize, make sure you are right with God. Do the work, agonize with him to sort out where you are with God. That takes work and it's not easy. It's possible that you need to do the agonizing work like I did this morning of confessing that I ate donuts. You you might need to confess. All jokes aside, you might need to truly confess deep problems and, and work with God to God speak to you directly. But do the work, do the work. Your future self will say, thank you. We need to invest. The fact of the matter is, is that Genesis 2, Genesis 2.15 says that. This is before the fall, and I want you to notice this strong this morning. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This idea that somehow before the fall we didn't work is not true. That somehow as we become a follower of Jesus Christ, there's no activity, there's no work. Actually, God designed us to be in in works that he prepared for us to do ahead of time. That is God's plan for our life. Here you see in Genesis, Genesis 2, that God has placed the man in the garden with things to do. Now, granted, the soil he was working in was was very, very uh, fruitful. Uh, Everything he did uh, yielded incredible fruit. You see this curse later, once they've disobeyed God, God increases their work. That makes the work harder. And also the ground is cursed. So now when he works, he plants seeds, there's not gonna be the kind of yield that he had before. Uh, it's basically put, it's made work sour, make work hard. All of us can relate to those conditions, right? All of us have probably been in work experiences that we don't enjoy. Even now we don't enjoy because they're just so hard and there doesn't seem to be a lot of fruit and purpose in it. Uh, Genesis 2, 18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. So God's design in your faith, this investing faith, is that you would work, but that you would also be in fellowship. You would be with others. That's the design. And so as a follower of Christ, investing faith means that I'm going to invest in his work, and I'm going to invest in his people. With me, everybody? I'm going to invest in his work, what he's planned for me to do, not more or less than exactly what he's planned for me to do, And I'm also going to invest in others, in his people. That's why church is so important. That's why we come to church, so we fellowship together. That's why we serve each other. That's why our spiritual gifts are given to us, so that we can administer God's grace to each other in the body of Christ. So we are called into God's work, and we are called to God's people. This is the plan. That's an investing kind of a faith. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13-14, You'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And there's this idea of, 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 of doing everything we can to discover him and to find him. That all of our energies, all of our passions are towards him. He's, and he says, he says, if you invest and look for me wholeheartedly, what? You will what? You'll find me. Uh, verse 14, I will be found by you. But John 3.16 is followed by John 15, the words of Jesus Christ himself. What does he say? I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branch that that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitless unless you remain in me. Remain in me. It's It's a directive. It's a commandment. Do this. Remain in me. Abide in me. Uh, it, Jesus is saying, um, actively make sure that you are that you continue to be connected to me. Remain in me. Another word for this is abide. Abide in me. You know, stay with me. Move with me. Invest in me. This is really the gospel story, is it not? Is that once we've come to him, then we invest our lives into him. And we become part of his work that he's planned ahead of us to do. But this work yields life. It yields life. And that really is the situation here and the secret. I think if I was invited to the work of God, but this, I believe that the work of God yielded nothing or loneliness, that it was boring, it was unfulfilling, I wouldn't be very motivated to do it. But the fact of the matter is, as I invest in God, I invest in life. I discover truly what it means to have the life that God talks about that is only found in Him. So instead of just reacting to temptations and trying to avoid sin, I'm also choosing to invest in God. Yes, I turn from sin. That sometimes is a daily decision we make. But then I choose to invest in Him. And in Him, as I invest in Him, I have this reward of the life that only he can give. We avoid sin, we are freed from, but we are freed to. Freed from death, and we are freed to life. I'm often discouraged if I'm living a reactive kind of a faith because I'm I'm approaching this perspective from there's really no life in Christ, I'm just trying to to, to avoid sin. It's not fulfilling. And I'm I'm not very motivated to avoid sin. Because sometimes I think to myself, well, if there's really no life, there's really nothing I'm working towards, I may as as well enjoy the fruit of sin in that moment. I may as well at least enjoy that. And that's where a lot of us get stuck, right? We park there, so at least I can enjoy this now because there's nothing else. Why would I avoid this and miss this? But the fact of the matter is, is that we turn from that so that we can have much greater life. We're leaving something that's kind of okay to something extraordinary. Freed from death, we invest in life. Um, Romans 5 verse 17 says this, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This idea of reigning in life, it's an incredible, incredible words that Paul uses here in this text. It's just that because of this one man, Jesus Christ, uh, we not only are freed from sin, right? But we move into this idea of reigning in life uh, and actually embracing and and, uh, commanding life uh, with its greatest potential. This is free gift of righteousness that moves us into this incredible experience of living that is only through this one man, Jesus Christ. Do Do we keep sinning because of this gift from God? Of course not. We don't do that. By no means, Paul argued this. Do we keep sinning so that that God's forgiveness and grace will just abound? No, no, no. We don't keep investing in sin, so that God's forgiveness and His power continues to just abound. No, no, no. We we invest. Uh, we 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 stop sinning. Invest in Him, so that we can experience the life that is promised us through God. Grace abounding this idea of that if I keep sinning just to see how far God's forgiveness will go, not investing in God whatsoever, but just avoiding sin, grace abounding to be able to forgive the worst of sinners, not to promote a life of sin. The idea is not to inject ourselves with more insulin so we can eat more donuts. God gives us enough insulin to cover all the sugar damage we've already done and will keep doing. Then he invites us to a greater life than binging on donuts. (laughs) Amen. Too much refined sugar is never good for you. So instead of continuing to invest in donuts, I need to invest in some alternative food where life actually truly will come. Romans 6 continues. Romans 6 verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but, see the alternative here, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Yes, you've been delivered from sin, yes. But now, as you continue to live this life, you have a choice to keep investing in sin, which leads to death, or to keep investing in him, which leads to life. To me, that generates a lot of hope, a whole lot of hope. I'm not just avoiding sin, I am moving towards a life maybe that I've never experienced before as I invest in Him. We don't even know how great it can be because we've never invested deeply into Him. Our invitation to avoid sin is to, is to the invitation is to avoid the death trap that sin is. And we're invited to life. Let's keep reading in Romans 6. What then? Romans 6, 15. Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as an obedient slave, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads you to death, or of obedience, which leads to what? Righteousness. Look at verse 20 of Romans 6. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit are you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. What he's asking here is, when you, when you can, had a life of constant sin, what was the fruit of that? What was the result of that? He says, the end of that was what? Death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, that's, please hear that in a positive sense, The fruit you get leads to the satisfaction and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And people, that eternal life is here. That begins here. We experience that. Keep reading with me. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions and divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these i warned you as i warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god but look what the fruit of the spirit is verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is what say it with me love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control Against such things there is no law. I love that Paul says that. By the way, there's no laws against being joyful. (laughs) There's no laws against all these good things. So go for it. What are you waiting for? Invest. Paul keeps writing in the book of Galatians, uh, Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, what does he do? That he also reaps. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap what eternal life. This is the invitation to us once we give our life to Christ. And if I've led someone to Christ, I'm going to hammer this point. I'm going to say temptations are not gone that you're a believer. This world is we're still in this world. This world is is a difficult place to be for everyone, but I can experience the life that only Christ can give now. I can experience his life as I invest in him. And that's the invitation. That is our invitation. Christ has freed us from the grip, the pain of this world, even now. And he launches us into this freedom that we can have as we invest in him. Maybe the point uh, the problematic point for, for a lot of us, though, is that we don't understand that once we become a child of God, we still have to choose to invest in him. You're not invited as a follower of Christ to become inactive, to do nothing. That road is a terrible road. It's not inviting you to a reactive faith either, that I'll just I'll just deal with things as they come kind of a philosophy of life. You will not grow in your faith if that is how you approach faith. God is inviting us. The biblical pattern of following Christ is that we invest daily into him. We remain. We abide. We sow into. We are led by the spirit. We invest. And from that investment, I guarantee it, you'll begin to see this life that only God can. I've been freed from death and I've been freed to life. Wow. This is Rico Vecca and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.